Hey listeners, it's Dawn. Welcome to another episode of From Here. Jen Fang is back for this next episode. I am so excited to share this with you. Jen is the founder and editor of Reappropriate, the oldest and most popular Asian American race advocacy and feminism blogs. You may remember her from a conversation I had, uh, I think it was back in episode 32, when we talked about raising our kids to feel confident about self-advocacy. Well, she's back and Jen and I had hella to catch up on. So in this first part, we focus on navigating post-lockdown return to work lives and how, unfortunately, we both have been handling the pressure to be productive. In the second part, we dig into the issue of reproductive rights, accessing women's health care, and the implications of the recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Dobbs. In our conversation, I refer to an article that Jen wrote following the decision, and I'm pointing this out because it is an excellent read that will give you a primer on how this decision specifically impacts Asian American communities and Asian American women in particular. I really hope you take the time to read it because Jen is amazing and is such a brilliant writer. All right, so here is the first part of our conversation. Enjoy. Welcome back, Jen. How are you? And it's so great to be here again. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I was interested in talking with you because number one, it's been a minute. Okay. (laughs) We had such a great conversation last time. And there's been so much that has been going on. And I thought of you recently. And I was like, okay, you know what, I feel like I feel like I need to catch up with you because I came across uh, this piece that you wrote, and we, we can get to that later, it was just like, I was reading all the stuff yeah. about Roe, and I came across this piece, and I was like, oh, you know, so uh, I thought I'd reach out to you to just see what's going on, so how how is everything going for you? Well, you caught me on a rough week, and uh, I, I mean, one of the things that I feel like has been really hard, and I sort of tweeted about it this week, was being parents of young kids under COVID two years or so after Mm -hmm. COVID has started. And this week in particular has been really hard because it's, I've really been struggling with still trying to parent my kids and dealing with all of the stuff that we sort of took as normal under COVID, under the pandemic, under shutdown, except now there's this been this push to like a return to pre-COVID times. Mm. And so there's all this pressure as parents to try and keep our kids safe and try to follow COVID safety practices. And then on top of that is all of this now added pressure of this return to like high levels of productivity. So this has been really hard. Um, We've been dealing with a COVID scare at school for my Mm -hmm. kids. And on top of that, just trying to balance what it looks like trying to get a COVID test for a toddler um, at the same time that I'm trying to balance a full-time job with a pressure to return to work. It's just been, it's been a lot this week. Yeah. Now your kids are really young. So what was that like for you? Because we, because I also had a couple recent COVID scares with my kid. My kid's like, you know, 13 now, but your kids are younger. So what, what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, so for one thing, it's like, um, you know, the COVID vaccines for the under five crowd that just came out mm-hmm. um, relatively recently. I haven't had a chance to schedule my kids yet. Yeah. So they're still unvaccinated. Yeah. Um, right now we're dealing with that rush of everybody who's yeah. got a kid under five is trying to 
you know, yeah. trying to rally for those those spots. Um, and so I'm still dealing with basically unvaccinated kids. And so mm-hmm. we're still dealing with security measures like masking and trying mm-hmm. to avoid too many public spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the things that I think people forget is that these rapid at-home tests, which we now, I think, keep routinely in the house to test regularly, mm-hmm. they're not validated for toddlers. And I have a, a little kid under two. Oh. And and so like this, this sort of appropriate push to test all the time, just to make mm-hmm. sure you're not, you know, you're not positive. It's actually still really hard to do that for a toddler. Yeah. We still have to go to the pediatrician and go, you know, get an appointment and then get the PCR test done and wait for our result because we couldn't just, you know, use one of our like yeah. 18 million tests that are at home. Yeah, I actually, I didn't realize that. So those, so the at-home tests you can't use for, for kids, for younger kids. Yeah. I, I mean, so the the eye health, the orange boxes yeah, that are the ones yeah. that were sent out by the by the USPS, like those ones explicitly say that they're only for two and over. Um, oh, wow. I, I checked a diff- the different boxes that I've seen. I I couldn't find that written on there, but you know, just scientifically the way that they work, um, they should yeah. all be about the same. That you know, a kid under two just uh, may not have enough virus um, that. Yeah. You may just be below detection threshold that they're not comfortable having you use it. So, oh, yeah. 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 And on top of that, I, you know, swabbing your little kid um, yeah. is, when they're under two would be really, really hard. So, yeah, yeah. they're not about. Yeah. And, and like it was something where even my my daycare provider didn't realize um, when she was setting that policy up. And, you know, this isn't to blame her or anything because it's yeah. not, I think, something we're all aware of that, you know, to set a policy that she wanted all of the kids to test negative before they got back into school. Right. And and uh, she didn't realize what she was asking for all of the parents with infants and toddlers was that we were going to be out at minimum two days if yeah. we got a, a, a doctor's appointment right away. Yeah. It would be a minimum of two days before we could come back because we would have to go get tested and wait for the results before we could come back. Yeah, yeah. I think all of this continues to be incredibly disruptive, especially because the latest variant is also so contagious. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I know so many people close to me. I mean, the big difference, right, is that the folks, there are folks closer to me now mm-hmm. who are getting COVID, who are in COVID um, situations where they're, you know, direct contact or, you know, I can't, I can't imagine. And you got two kids, how disruptive this has been for you. Yeah, and I mean, like, one of the things, so I tweeted this thread um, mm-hmm. on Twitter that was like, it's not just the, I had to go get my kids tested, which is part of being under COVID. It's mm-hmm. now that we've returned to work, it, there, it feels like a lot of that sort of, like, patience and grace that we all gave each other when this first started yeah. because we were all dealing with a shutdown a lot of that has sort of evaporated it felt like so it was like yeah. we got we got slammed with a sudden loss of child care we were out 48 hours we had almost no notice we had to go do this and like it didn't feel like uh you know work was super understanding about yeah. that like yeah. you know it wasn't like it was like overtly hostile but that sort of general public understanding or common understanding of like we're all dealing with this it just Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem to be there anymore and so you know on twitter i was kind of like it's kind of like we're out here without a rope without a support network like we're we're, those of us who are parents are dealing with all the same stuff we were dealing with two years ago but now it's like there's no understanding about it anymore now it just seems like people are impatient about it rather than to feel like we're all in the same boat together yeah and this it sounds like this rush 
to go back to normal, it's almost like we forgot what it was like to kind of slow down, to be forced to slow down, right? And right. and this this desire to return to this quote unquote normal, right? Yes. I think is has been, you know, people have been experiencing. Um, I don't I don't know how to describe it. I, I think like there's a desire to get to regain control of your life and thus, you know, return to normal. But then it's also we're missing out an opportunity to, um, I think, redefine or determine what normal, you know, is for us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, when we were in the shutdown, I felt a lot of pressure about loss of productivity. I mean, I'm in academia, you know, it's a publisher parish kind of environment. And especially as women in academia, so I, I, I became good friends with another, you know, uh, person in academia, um, a mom in academia. And we would commiserate about how difficult it was to be um, a, a mother in the shutdown doing sort of like nearly full-time childcare, yeah. and then watching all of our male colleagues sort of like, not have that same sort of strain yeah. on their time and so they're using that as like the longest writing retreat there ever was and, <laughs> you know? so like you know they're all like we got some grants in we got some papers in yeah. and and you know so we were sitting there like really worried about our productivity level so that was like yeah. under the shutdown but you know recently in the last couple of months i was sort of thinking about thinking back to that time and i was mm-hmm. like as, as frustrated as i was then there were also some things about the shutdown that were positive that I do kind of now miss, which was yeah. that ability to like really slow down and be present for my, for my kid. Yeah. Um, you know, my days were filled with just trying to find ways to sort of spend time with her. And mm-hmm. um, now I'm kind of like, I don't have that same level of like ability to spend hours with her, getting to know her learning how to just, play with her and mm-hmm. be in her world and you know I kind of miss that I want that balance now where I can still you know participate in my career but also be the kind of parent that I was un- under the shutdown that you yeah. know I can't do anymore so yeah. I wish there was some way to find that middle ground yeah I mean I totally hear you on that I, I think the thing that you know, now that we've we're, we've had some time in COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the thing for me is really getting to a place where I'm I'm really examining how I want to spend my time, you know, and that is everything from, you know, what kind of work do I want to do? What, you know, do I want my days to look like, right? Yeah. What do I want my evenings and my weekends, you know, to look like? And I think during, um you know, the shutdown and work from home. The one, one of the things I discovered about myself is that, um, surprisingly, I really actually enjoyed working from home. Mm. All right. And I, and of course it's my context was just like, I have an older kid and, you know, and, um, so, you know, a little bit more self-sufficient. Um, but it, it really gave me the opportunity to kind of slow down a lot, have very similar, you know, kind of quality time with my kids sounds like, you know, that you, you know, you had. And I think I'm at a point now where I'm like, I, I refuse to let that go. I mean, I'm, I'm desperately trying to figure out how to cling on to that, you know, because I don't want to return to normal, 
I really, whatever that pre pre COVID normal. I mean, like, I did this. I did this really bananas. I don't know why I did it. Right? Oh, I know why I did it. Right? I had to go back and actually uh, put together a report of all of the um, certain activities that I did at work. Um, and then so I had to go back a couple a year before COVID, mm-hmm. and I was looking at my calendar, Janet. I was like, "How the hell did I?" <laughs> And then the first year of COVID, remember first year of COVID, where we're all like, we're like in crisis mode and we're all trying to like, and I was like, what the heck? I work too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Was it like that for you? It, I mean, it definitely was. I can definitely um, relate to the like, I enjoy working from home Mm -hmm. thing. So my job is, is um, partly a lab job. So yeah. for me, the shutdown, the true shutdown actually didn't last very long. Yeah. So we we were returned to the lab within, I want to say, two or three months. That's um, bananas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so aside, the way yeah. that I did that, because mm-hmm. my, my family was very COVID cautious, was I actually ended up working a night shift. Ooh. So, yeah, so the way to do it, I just avoided everyone else. In lab, mm-hmm. I would I would watch the kids during the daytime, mm-hmm. and then once they were solidly in bed, I would come into the lab from like I want to say like 10 p.m. to like midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning, and I would do sort of like a half time in the lab, and then I would go home and I would rinse. What? Wow! Yeah, that, that was how I survived COVID. Whoa! But, so so when did you sleep? You slept after you got home at one. I, so I did that thing that you know the best advice to give to new parents is sleep when they sleep oh, so <laughs> i i took an afternoon nap when my yeah. daughter napped yeah. um and then um i would sleep once i got home again wow yeah, that's, but so so i couldn't fully work from home but one of yeah. the things that was nice is like but because of that schedule i had to slow down my my experimental timelines like mm-hmm. i couldn't i couldn't run as many experiments because that was just way too much to try and cram into two or three hours every day. Um, And so I spent a lot more time um, just writing or thinking. And I actually really, really enjoyed that. Like the days that I could just sit, even like when I had my my alone time and and my work time, Mm -hmm. if it was time that I could just sit at my computer and work and write, I was like, this is actually what I really like to do. Um, And so I agree. Like, the way that things were under shutdown, it was like this attempt to try and maintain this high level of productivity that is just physically impossible. And it does mm-hmm. make you reassess where you're putting all of your time and where you're putting all of your hours mm-hmm. in a way that like, you know, you, you've mentioned this return to normal. And I completely agree that if there is a silver lining, I think there's been a forced reexamination of what our pre-COVID mm-hmm. normal actually looks like mm-hmm. and whether or not we actually wanted to go back to that mm-hmm. or if we want to try and readjust. If there mm-hmm. were patterns we had fallen into pre-COVID that now we can really understand the value of time and yeah. hopefully redistribute those hours in a better way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I I, I think that the, the this reflecting that I've been doing, I realize like, some of the things I've started doing is paying more attention to my body and really understanding my capacities, right? So if I have to tell myself, okay, I need to muster through this, or maybe I'm trying to like squeeze in one more thing, I that's a signal to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, you know what? 
I really, I really shouldn't be doing that because I'm trying to force, I'm not, number one, I'm ignoring, you know, what my body's telling me, my energy levels. I'm also trying to like force things to happen. And I've been trying to practice like this kind of letting go of like, you know what, maybe it's just, I should just like not force that to happen. You know, I should pay attention. My body is tired. And how important is it really to do that one more thing? Right. right. And and I and that has been really interesting to me because I think that um, and don't get me wrong. There are days where I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get shit done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to just get that one more thing done, that one more errand done, because I don't have time, you know, the rest of this week. Yeah. Right? But but weaving, you know, like being more present for myself, being more mindful and saying like it's okay that I don't you know I'm tired or I don't want to do this or you know and not feeling like I have to make an excuse you know Mm -hmm. I've been really trying to do that more and I feel like um that 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 um, it's getting me closer to having a sustainable way of living I know that Mm -hmm. sounds weird right Mm. but it doesn't sound weird to me because to me what I hope will happen and I'm not saying I've got this figured out, but I, I mm-hmm. hope to find that balance between yeah. the the rat race of pre-COVID and that sort of like forced flow all the way down right. um, under the under the early part of the shutdown for me before yeah. I was returned to work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like finding a middle ground where where I can listen to my body and I can say, you know, um, one thing under the shutdown that was really, that became really evident is like all of our support networks evaporated. So like if you hit that wall and you fell apart, there was nothing to help you. And, and so under the shutdown, it was sort of like you were, I at least was forced to listen to when things got to be too much because there was not going to be any help outside of me and my, my partner. And so we had to sort of, take more care of each other so that neither of us truly hit the wall. Yeah. And I want to, I want to sort of in, in, incorporate that back into the way that things are now where I still prioritize self care and prioritize right. my limits, you know? Right. Yeah. Now you said one of the, the joyful things that came out of this time for you was your writing. Yeah. So, so what are, what were some of the things that you're able to spend some time thinking about? Um, well, to be honest with you, um, I was super productive when it came to writing uh, reviews and doing and all professional stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So like all science stuff. Yeah. But it, it, one of the things that becomes hard in a lab is there's so much hands-on work that you get you don't get a chance to stop and think. Mm-hmm. And I found that it was a really good chance to sort of like do some macro level thinking about mm-hmm. um what, what's going on at work, what's going on with my experiments, and to sort of see the bigger picture from like a, just a more general philosophical point of view. I think that sort of expanded to everything. I, I think I was just more more able to take the bird's eye view and mm-hmm. to think, to draw larger connections. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big time for Twitter because mm-hmm. that was a great place to sort of mm-hmm. put sort of half-formed thoughts together um, when it comes to like Asian American identity and politics and to sort of draw those larger connections too. Yeah. So I, again, I think it's because when you, when you're forced to sort of pull back mm-hmm. and that's what, what it was for me, I couldn't be in lab. So I was forced to not be in the day to day, but to sort of think about 
what I already had and just sort of work more towards synthesis. Mm-hmm. That, that was a chance to really sort of see the bigger picture and draw bigger connections. And it was a, you know, I joked that for my male colleague, colleagues, it was like the longest writing retreat. It turns out now that I'm looking at my CV, I did actually do a lot of writing at that time for yeah. myself too, because yeah. I like, I had like two, maybe three review articles come out during that, those two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not the only woman of color who has said that to me too, that finally was kind of like some space to think and write, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and one of the things that I love about you, Jen, is that, you know, you are a Asian American woman in STEM, but you also have this um, long list of things that you've written uh, either through Reappropriate, you know, or, you know, for other places that, as you said, you know, connect all of these dots for things that are kind of going on more broadly. And you have a, um, a writing style that's really um, uh, coherent and incisive, well-researched as well, okay? Yeah. And super easy to read. You know, I, I just really enjoy a lot of your writing. And, and I always, um, you know, look forward to... Uh, seeing what's out there. I personally have not wait. I there was a time I was in Twitter. Twitter is like a scary place for me, so I've not waited back in to Twitter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, so, every uh, once in a while I dip my toe in, but I'm like, well, I don't know about Twitter. The, the thing about Twitter that I will say is that I actually really got more into my Twitter under my first maternity leave mm-hmm. because I had these grandiose ideas. I was like, oh, maternity leave is the a long writing retreat, I'll be able to do a lot of writing. Yeah, that was one of the most naive things I've ever thought about mm-hmm. parenting. Um, and so I found the lack of ability to sit down and do focus work very hard. Yeah. And so Twitter is actually a great outlet for me because I get all of these like ideas all the time in, mm-hmm. in terms of like synthesizing um, different thoughts, especially about current events. And rather than spend a couple of hours massaging it into sort of a full-length piece, I get a chance to sort of put all the ideas together as they're happening Mm. and then just sort of put it out there. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was, it really removed a lot of the barriers to writing sort of quick ideas Mm -hmm. um, that allowed me to stay engaged specifically Mm -hmm. um, during maternity leave. Mm Sorry for this break, listeners, but we are at the end of the first part of my conversation with Jen. I know you're really getting into our conversation, so take a bio break and then head over to the second part. Thanks for listening. 